What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. Yeah, we're missing somebody. We're missing Doug. He's uh, he's getting his education on. He's getting his learning on. Working on his master's degree here. Uh, Good for so he's him. Taking, yeah, he's he's improving himself, and you know, Tug and I are just here talking football. So I think he's doing something better with his life. But we're you know we're having more fun. So we're winning. Yeah, you win you win some, you lose some. That's just that's how how the cookie crumbles, so to speak. But we're not here to just make fun of Doug and uh, poke slighted jokes and pointed jokes at him. We are here to talk some football with you guys today. And we've got we've got a, a decent amount to get into. As the title suggests, you know, a lot of these big moves have already happened. Uh, there was one that happened probably right after we, uh, you know, was probably almost finalized right after we finished last week on Monday. Yep. Um, and we will get to that, but because it involves the Dolphins, we're going to take our sweet time getting there. We're going to start off with All something right. completely different, uh, but it is still going to be NFL related. It's a very NFL heavy show uh, because obviously our college football specialist Doug isn't here with us today. Uh, but to that end, we're going to get into non uh, non player transaction news here for the NFL. Uh, but yeah, our NFL news segment. So. Hey. Right off the bat, we do have a dolphin story for you. Though. I was just gonna say, hey, look, it starts with Miami. <laughs> it's not the story you wanted, though. It's not the one you want to talk about, and that's I... the important thing. No, I want to talk about this one too because I'm sick and tired of all of these quarterback rumors to Miami. I I can't stand it. I just it annoys me. But I'm glad that our new head coach Mike McDaniel comes out and goes, yeah, the Tom Brady going to Miami rumors. Those are are completely. Uh, false they're fake news even ian rapaport came out and said it it doesn't make a ton of sense after he comes out of retirement recruits a ton of his guys to re-sign with the bucks then just go deuces and like go to miami it, it didn't make sense so i don't know where these rumors started i'm glad they're dying down uh and i'm glad they've been honestly put to rest yeah put the rest or just you know put on the back burner because people are still going to cling to the fact that they existed in the first place which is right. a detriment to miami in the long run however brian flores only did so much right you know nobody still really thinks of them as a real contender because a lot of it does revolve around that quarterback position Tua hasn't done much to convince people right. and you can make any argument you want People are making arguments that Mitchell Trubisky is going to find a way to be the starter in Pittsburgh or that he already is the starter in Pittsburgh, right? I believe he is the starter in Pittsburgh right now. Um, But you, I mean, is it an upgrade from Mason Rudolph? Sure. Is it an upgrade overall? I I think, I I just, I don't know. That's a very different topic I don't want to spend a lot of time on. No, and, and, and my issue with all of these, well, Tua hasn't proven anything. Look, I, I will concede that. Tua has not had a, you know, great start to his NFL career. But when you break it down, he didn't come in as the starter. He didn't have an offseason his his rookie year. Okay, no big deal. Justin Herbert didn't have an offseason. Joe Barr didn't have an offseason. Cool. But – the only one that compares in terms of having no offensive line to him would have been Joe Burrow. And I'm not saying Tua is Joe Burrow level. I'm not. And that that's clearly evident, right? But Tua doesn't have the run game. Tua didn't have the line protection to facilitate a run game. We can't really claim that anymore. And he's definitely got all the weapons. We'll get into that later that he could ever need to succeed. This is the no excuses year for Tua. 
I just wonder how if we're going to push that back again because last year was supposed to be a no excuses year, year for Tua as well. Yeah, but we also then had the 32nd ranked offensive line in the league. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, staying in the AFC, though, if you remember, uh, the Ravens, they uh, had no running backs to start the season because, well, they all got injured in the preseason. Uh, to quote... Uh, the late, great, uh, formerly head coach, uh, Matt Nagy, who claims he's not an idiot. I don't agree with that. John Harbaugh, though, I think is proving he's not an idiot. He's come out and said they're going to change the way they practice leading up to the season, particular, you know, based solely, I don't want to say solely, but mostly around the injury plague season and preseason they had last year. Quote, we have some really good ideas. I'm excited about it. We're going to approach OTAs differently. We're going to approach training camp, some big picture schedule differently in terms of the way we ramp up, in terms of the way we time practices, how long we're on the field, and what we're doing on the field, rhythm of practices. This is all from Pro Football Talk. This was uh, So you can go check, uh, check their website out and see exactly what all he was saying. But there was some weird, obscure record that uh, – the Ravens pulled off involving their running backs in preseason. And if you're if you're watching, you know what I'm talking about. Go ahead and drop it in the in the chat for us. We'll see it. Uh, and, and I don't remember all the terms of it or exactly what everything was, but it they achieved it. But the cost was you now lost your top three running backs for the season. What I was tracking with the record in the preseason for the Ravens had nothing to do specifically with running backs. Uh, it had more to do with the fact that they had the longest ever preseason winning streak as if that mattered for anything. And they kept playing for that it. That might like, have been it, yeah. They kept playing like they were going to win the Super Bowl if they won that. And it's like, con- congratulations, you guys don't lose preseason games that no one else cares about. Uh, that, it cost you your running backs. I guess you lose. Cade McNown had a famously good preseason, and Bears fans were excited more excited than they ever were for Mitchell Trubisky and a unity of excitement that Justin Fields doesn't have around him. And then the Bears were like 3-12 and 12 that year, 3-13. and 13. Ex- it was, yeah. So, I mean, who cares how good you do in the preseason, right? Correct. Hopefully, Harbaugh's like, okay, we got the record. Forget about it. We're not trying for that shit anymore. We can't, we can't afford to end up like we I, did this year. I would argue, though, that if his entire – new plan of off-season workouts is I'm not going to play my starters in the preseason like it's a regular season game. I hope that's not his entire logic because then he would be an I'm idiot. sure I'm sure that's not I mean just based on some of the, you know the things that I read off there's going to no, be that's other valid. improvements but I think that is going to be a big piece of it and it should be right moving on though we'll stay in the north uh, but we're going to go over to the NFC side Detroit for some reason is going to be hosting the 2024 NFL draft <laughs> I think there's a lot of history in Detroit. I just don't know that it makes for a great venue. The draft has become this huge event. It's akin to the Super Bowl almost. Very different subject, very different scale. People want to go. People want to have a good time. I don't know what there is to do in Detroit. I mean, yeah. Maybe catch a Tigers game. I, you know. It, do you really want to in early April? I mean. Well, late April, I should say. Late April. I mean, either way. I just, it, it's it's a confusing one. Uh, not to shit on City of Detroit too much. They do that good enough on their own. It's just. Not as good man. as San Francisco, though. Oh, I see what you did there. 
Uh, it's a tough look. It, I don't think that's as good of an idea as having hard knocks follow Detroit around this year, which I think is an excellent idea. Matt Campbell is a is much watched television. If the uh, the clips we've seen on social media over the past two years have been Dan, any indication, Dan, yeah, Dan Campbell's gonna be a fantastic dude to watch. And uh, hard knocks, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I I love it. I saw that earlier as well, and the the thumbnail. Uh, you know, they're like, hey, you know, guys to watch for on Hard Knocks this year. The thumbnail was Dan Campbell. And I'm like, yeah, that, <laughs> I think that's that's one, two, and three is Dan Campbell. The rest of the team, eh, whatever. Uh, PC one, two, principal. and three have to be <laughs> the PC principal. Oh, man. Speaking of which, I watched the uh, the post-COVID South Parks finally. Fantastic. Oh, dude, if you haven't, I love if it. You're, yeah. If you're watching or listening and haven't seen those, it's it's worth your time to go watch those. Facts. Uh, back to football. Uh, the Bills and the city of Buffalo have agreed to a new stadium. You did a little more research into this than I did. Why don't you break it down for us? So basically it's a 30-year lease that the Bills are going to have at this new stadium. Uh, and I don't know the financing breakdown, but overall it breaks out to a $1.4 billion project uh, for a new stadium up there in Orchard Park. So, yeah, that's $1.4 billion with a B. Um the bills aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, that's that's all this this says to me. And uh, God, I hope they're in that stadium for thirty years because let's be real, stadiums nowadays don't last thirty years. You put a dome on it, and it might, right? And God, I think no. that's probably going to be some way that they have to go. I think that's Please. where they want to go. Please, no! Stop with the domes. Stop with the turf. They're fantastic. Uh, OT proposals. Keeping it football, getting away from teams specifically, but we're going to start with uh, a few proposals put forward by by a couple different teams. The Eagles and the Colts both had the same proposal that each team will get a chance to possess the ball in overtime. Uh, that was the wording that popped up when I saw it on ESPN, so I can only assume that means we don't care who scores or how they score. The other team's going to get their chance with the ball. That's been a big argument for a long time, and – I'm surprised that only two teams got behind it. You know, every I think pretty much every fan base wants at least that, if not something else. And then the Titans, on the flip side, are saying, hey, the team that possesses the ball first can win if they score a TD and a two-point conversion, right? Just getting a touchdown kick in the field goal isn't enough. You know, still obviously have the field goal rule. But if you win, if you get that touchdown and you go for two, you risk it all then then you can take the win. So I like both of those proposals. Uh, I am not a fan of the uh, college football rules for a couple of reasons, uh, particularly applying it to the NFL. As far as the old college football rules, not the weird one-point conversion shootouts from the two-yard line, like, I don't like that. But the old college football rules, I think they were great for college, not something I wanted to see in the NFL. I would rather, see, if we're going to continue with this uh, full field kickoff, you know, whole nine yards, basically an extra period of football, uh, I think that's probably the right direction to go. Uh, and then out of, you know, from the top rope, you got Mike Tomlin coming in saying that he's a sudden death advocate. And that's, I, I can't imagine there's too many Steelers fans happy with that because literally not a single fan on the planet is a fan of sudden death overtime. I think there were less fans of ties. But uh, you gotta you gotta have a give and take, right? I prefer the sudden death to both of these. I I honestly do to both of these proposals. I actually do prefer the sudden death. Why? For the, for the Titans, 
focusing on this one. You have to score a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Look, if you couldn't stop them then, I don't know what more success you're going to have down here. I mean, yes, it's at the goal line. It's a lot tougher to score there. We all know that. But it's just adding in something additional that really only functions to get somebody hurt, right? Because then so, – so, so now let me break it down this way, right? So you come down, you score a touchdown, you go for two. You don't make it. The other team gets the ball. They score a touchdown. All they have get to do is two, kick the extra point. All they have to do is kick the extra point. That's No, you did the same thing, and you took away their chance to stop you on the two-point conversion that you forced them to take. For the, for the Eagles and the Colts, if this were a situation where, you know, kicking it off uh, from your 35-yard line, if it went through the uprights, was a one point, and all of a sudden they did that, and that was the end of the game, then I would agree with what they're saying. But they can affect the outcome as it is. You have a defense on the field. Can we stop acting like defenses don't exist? I agree. I, I will argue, though. Like, so your point about injury, I get it, and that's why I'm not a fan of the tradition. You know, the old college football overtime rules. I feel like that's just opening it up for more injuries inside the 25, like that. Uh, but as far as each chance, each team getting a chance to possess the ball, when you look at it through that lens. Hockey, when you look at the other three major sports, hockey is the only sport I wouldn't even call it completely comparable because hockey's just played differently, right? The offense, defense, yeah. they're all out on the on the ice at the same time. But you can win the faceoff and go score a goal in five seconds and the game's over, right? Yep. That's the only one where it's even remotely close. Basketball, they play a full period. Injuries are a lot lower in basketball. And then baseball, you have to pitch to the batter and give them a chance to hit the ball. Or you walk a run in and, you know, all you did was hurt yourself. But eventually you will get three outs and your team will get a chance to bat and hit the ball. Yep. And that's that's just the way that baseball's laid out. That's the way hockey's laid out. That's the way basketball's laid out. And, you know, to the point that you can win the faceoff and score in five seconds, you could do that all game and not end up in an overtime situation. It's not likely, but you could, you know, you could, you could in theory, right? So I understand the the complaint and wanting each offense the chance to get out and do their thing. Be, and you got to look at it too, that I think there, is, as much as we don't want to talk about it and don't want to admit it, there is some credence to the fact that the NFL has made defense extremely hard. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think it is only fair. Like you have an advantage. If you have the ball, you have an advantage if your offense is on the field first. That's and if, if they score a touchdown, right now as it stands, you don't even have to kick the extra point because you score the touchdown, the game's over, right? Or you yep. return the ball on on a kickoff, the game's over. So that's that's what it is as it stands, which, again, your special team should stop them, your defense should stop them, but your offense didn't get a chance. And I think nothing that, shined a light more on that than the but, Bills-Chiefs game in the playoffs but, this year. It, cool. Your offense doesn't get a chance, but don't tell me your team didn't get a chance. Who has who ha, who sells more jerseys, Ed I Oliver or Josh I Allen? I don't care, man. That's this, that's what it comes down to. Because we're I I understand why the rules are going the way they are, but this goes beyond that. This is literally just a uh, screw it. Get, if you're this upset about it, get rid of overtime in the regular season, play a full period in the postseason, and just call them ties in the regular season. That's how little overtime wins matter. That's why in the NHL, when you go past the first OT it becomes a, a shootout, not because, you know, we want to see who the better individual player is. It's a gimmick to get fans in the seats. 
it's the more hockey... because it's more because the NHL doesn't want to have ties, right? And they no. found a way they found a way to not have ties in the regular season that would result with a win and they have they create points because they only have a two point system for wins and losses instead of a three point. That's that's a different discussion. But the but problem my, with my point the, still comes down when you break it down, man, is the overtime periods really don't matter that much in the grand scheme of things. That's what I'm it, that's what I'm getting at. In in the postseason, yes, they do. In the regular season, man, they really don't. And I would argue that to your point, maybe we don't even need overtime in the regular season. Maybe these proposals need to be looking at strictly the playoffs and yeah. only have overtime in the playoffs anyway. Because and just and just play seen... a full period, not sudden death at that point. Just play a full fifteen minute period, and whoever's winning at the end of that quarter wins the game. That's how you shut everybody up. I think so. I think so. And what was it? Two th- since two thousand eight when Donovan McNabb and the Eagles tied and he had no clue there were ties in the NFL. Shit, there were three ties in the league last year, about two the year before and one the year before that. I mean, there have been more ties. So the 10-minute over, overtime period in regular season hasn't accomplished anything. No, and a, a lot of it comes down to the fact that field goals now do give the other team position. Uh, position. It used to be back in those days, yeah. it was sudden death. They were playing 15-minute periods at the time. Now you're play- Now you take five minutes off the clock and say – Go score quick. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know that there's ever going to be a right answer. I don't know if anybody's ever going to resolve anything with this, but it's going to continue to be a conversation, obviously, as you yeah. can see. I mean, we've just spent 10 minutes talking about it practically. <laughs> Moving on, though, our last NFL story. Uh, as we said, there were a lot of moves last week, and this does account for the one that we still haven't talked about, and I promise we'll get there. We got uh, some non-NFL pro news and college news to talk about first, but we will get to NFL transactions here momentarily. Uh, but this factors all those in, and uh, it's the latest Super Bowl odds, and they have changed drastically from before when all the these moves were made. Buffalo sitting at 650. They're up from 700 or 750. Tampa Bay, since Tom Brady's on retirement, they were around 1100, plus 1100. They're now at plus 750. Kansas City actually went down, obvious reasons, plus 900. Green Bay, plus 900. It was a weird up and down for them, losing Devontae Adams, but keeping Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Rams are at plus 1100. You're defending Super Bowl champs. Denver plus fifteen hundred, San Francisco plus fifteen, Dallas plus sixteen hundred. Very interesting to me. Uh, the Chargers plus sixteen hundred, Cleveland plus seventeen hundred, and that one's pretty interesting to me as well, with uh, a potential suspension looming for Deshaun Watson. Uh, and then Cincinnati, your AFC representative from the previous Super Bowl, is at plus two thousand. Indianapolis also at plus two thousand. Everybody else in the league is higher than that. Uh, and really, I probably would have stopped after San Francisco at plus fifteen hundred, but I still had we hadn't gotten to Cincinnati, so I figured that's eh, just a handful more. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious the the teams I've listed off are probably the big players that you're thinking of to go out and win a Super Bowl this year. Anyway, uh, is there anybody on this list that surprises you? To me, I think it was Dallas was probably the big surprise. Buffalo being as high as they are actually does kind of surprise me. I understand they're a good team, right? They're well-built. Adding an aging Von Miller does not make them that much better. than the, It makes them better, don't get me wrong. 
but I don't think it makes them that much better. I don't understand how they're Super Bowl favorites going into this year right now. Um, I think that's the biggest shock for me. This isn't the first place I've seen people acting as if Buffalo is the greatest team on the planet right now. Um, maybe it's a little bit of I hate them bias. There's a chance of that. I just, I don't know. They don't feel like a Super Bowl favorite. They're a contender. I just don't know if they're they should be the favorite. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure where it's coming from either. I mean, we're talking about a team that didn't even, you know, they didn't even make it out of the divisional round, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's it's tough. I I get it, and I get why Kansas City's taking a hit. I get why Green Bay has come back up. I certainly get why Tampa Bay's gone up. I mean, when they were sitting in that 1100 range, I thought that was almost being generous. Um, and I, I might be mis yeah, I might be misremembering. They might have been lower too. Yeah. Uh, but man, this is this is interesting. I'm curious as to why Cincinnati was so low, but I think a lot of that is Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati's still going to have to prove to people that they belong in these con- like realistically in these conversations. I don't think they really convinced a lot of people. I think there's a decent amount of people out there saying they just got lucky. We we mentioned it last year a few times. That fourth place schedule does mean something and it's not good. Uh, I think a lot of people are intrigued to see how they come in and perform this year on a first place schedule. See, you say fourth place, you see it, you say fourth place schedule. They lost to the bears. Like they lost to some bad teams. They, they played, they played to their opponent essentially. Yeah. So, and that's, what's going to be interesting next year is can they do that against the bills against the chiefs? Uh, you know, I know they did it in the postseason, but can they do it in the regular season? Uh, see, obviously they're not playing themselves, and then they, uh, Bills, Chiefs, and then the Titans, right? Those are going to be the big games out of the AFC to look for them. I don't know who their NFC opponent is, but, man, that's – and then the AFC North is always a, to- always a toss-up. You can pretty much just leave out Cleveland typically, but even nowadays it's a tight division. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really going to come down to if they can win the AFC North, they'll be in a good position to make a push. Yeah. And I think that's that's how they got into the playoffs this past year anyway, right? So yep. it's it's going to be fun to watch, going to be interesting to watch for sure. But that's all we got as far as non-player transaction-related news. We're going to move into some non-NFL pro news here. And we got to start off with my favorite player from my favorite current uh, non NFL Pro League, the FCF. Johnny Football is back, everybody. He didn't look great, but he definitely got people watching. <laughs> and uh, who doesn't love Johnny fucking football, right? Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> Moving on. Not not a ton else from the FCF. If you follow them on Twitch, they have been pumping stuff out on Twitch between practices and other meetings going on. They have the same start date as the USFL. Um, and the USFL, they've also been practicing. Their teams are posting photos and interviews and all kinds of videos and stuff all over their social media, whether it's quarterbacks making great passes, coaches talking about uh, talking about X, Y, or Z, and then, you know, just, just, just getting the word out there. I've inquired about open practices. I haven't seen, haven't heard anything, haven't gotten any replies, so... I, I'm still I'm a little frustrated with the way they're handling this to the general public. However, as frustrated with that as I am, uh, something really cool is going to happen. As I mentioned, April 16th is their first game. It'll be at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. 
And for the first time ever, it'll be simulcast on NBC and Peacock, but also on a competitor. It'll be simulcast on Fox as well. But wait, there's more. Just kidding. There's not more this time. It's just, it's, it's incredible that NBC and Fox are both like, yeah, we want everybody to see the USFL. You know, from a couple weeks ago, we go from talking about the controversy of them getting sued for existing, basically, and coming back against all odds. And now we've got Fox, NBC, and Peacock saying, yeah, we're going to put it on television for everybody to see. We don't, we don't care. Not to mention the fact Fox is the one that's been dumping a lot of money into this, and they're, all, they're allowing NBC and Peacock to simulcast this, right? So I'm excited. It's going to be interesting to see how this all works and see if maybe there's some partnerships in the future between NBC and Fox going forward. Going to be interesting to see. I, uh, I don't know what this really spells for telecommunications and entertainment going forward, but I think it's a good omen for the USFL. It's all about the oligarchy, man. You got to keep everybody in power. By everybody, Something I mean like that, your right? friends. Your friends that you think make everyone else think are your rivals. <laughs> Moving on, though, we have a single college story. Uh, we were asked to do it by our good pal Doug, and uh, Doug, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you lead us in. If I can get this to pull up. I thought you said Doug, and I was really confused. But uh, apparently Vanderbilt has decided to go and rebrand and build a new logo. Um, I don't get it. It looks almost identical to what they have always had in the past. Um, it just looks trashier now. I I don't know. I'm not a fan. <laughs> it's throwing me off, man. I, I don't understand what they were trying to do here and where they were going with it. Yeah, so it's the new logo essentially is their own thing. It is not the university logo. It is their own separate logo, which you see universities all the time. If you go look up the University of Memphis's logo, it is an academic logo. It is not the tiger jumping through the M, right? Like that is the athletics logo. However, this is going to be this is going to be basically the same thing. Is this the old logos? Yeah, those are the old ones. The new one is effectively the same. It's just got the V bigger and superimposed over the star. So it looks a little more 3D. Um, but yes. Dude, I'm telling you, I pulled this straight off of... Yeah, I pulled this straight off of an article from the Tennessean.com. These are... These, it says the three updated Star V logos that are an option for Vanderbilt athlete, athletics teams to use. Yeah, hold on. Because that's... I, I'm sorry, it's a link. It's the best I could do. Um, and then scroll down a little bit and you'll see it. But no, it's a little different. It's mostly the same and it's still annoyingly bad. We can take care of this. We'll get this up here in a second. Stand by for that. But either way, it's they they honestly I'm gonna go ahead and, and give a round of applause to uh 
Upstatement, the, the design firm based out of Boston that uh, designed these, for literally taking my homework and copying it, but making it look like they didn't copy it. I mean, that's pretty much what they did. Right? Either way, Lee, who I believe is the athletic director, he is on record saying he showed this to... There we go. He showed this to the athletes, and they all like it. And I'm like, I don't know that you're completely telling us the truth here. <laughs> um, but they, you know, got buy-in from the athletes, and I guess that was good enough for them. If you if you want to go that way, uh, that's fine, I guess. Here we go. So the top ones are what uh, the that's these are from USAToday.com. Bottom ones are from uh, the Tennessean, so I I find it odd that the Tennessean would have the wrong image up, uh, but I'm also not uh, not all that surprised either. Yeah. So yeah, on USA Today's story, it has the updated Star V logo, courtesy of Vanderbilt Athletics. So I'm gonna go with the top ones are the uh, the actual new ones. I mean, it said the same thing on the Tennessean. That's, That's really odd. At. Yeah. Either way, Vanderbilt is so bad at designing a new logo, we don't even know which ones are the new ones and which ones are the old ones. And I think that's really the point Doug wanted us to get at because uh, this is confusing and it's hurting my head. <laughs> I, I, I can see the smoke. Oh, it's it is. there's a lot of pain going on right now. I hate Vanderbilt so much. This is ridiculous. Who do you hate more, Tennessee or Vanderbilt? Tennessee. I I legitimately just don't understand why you would have two different things come out. I could easily see them using both of these as well, too, right? The the only reason why I think the bottom picture is the current logo or the old logo is because that middle one looks exactly like their stuff on their um, baseball hats. Yeah, that's that's part of the issue is that nothing they've done has been different worthwhile. Yeah. yeah. Like ugh. Either way. Vanderbilt. Let's yeah, let's let's move on. Moving right along then, we're into off-season moves and I guess we can end the excitement and anticipation. Go ahead. Talk about the news that made your day coming <laughs> out of work on a Tuesday. Yeah, so I was coming out of work on a Tuesday, as one does, and I was seeing a bunch of text messages that made me really confused. So I had to pull up the Twitters and uh, in the, the internets and the Googles. And uh, lo and behold, the text messages were not lying to me, telling me that Tyreek Hill is now a Miami Dolphin, uh, and it only cost us five picks, only one of which is a first-round pick. So we, we sent our first round this year, our second round this year, one of our fourth rounds this year, and then our fourth and sixth in 2023 for Tyreek Hill. And then we slapped a massive extension on him, uh, made him the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, I believe. And man, I'm excited. Our wide receiver room now is loaded. Uh, you have a couple different vertical threats between actually a few different vertical threats with Gusecki, Devontae Parker, and Tyreek Hill. Not that Jalen Waddell can't run it deep. But he can also do the underneath stuff, as can Tyreek Hill. 
Uh, this might be the fastest offense in the NFL that, that we have right now uh, to the point where some overzealous Miami fans, I promise you I am not one of them, but some overzealous Miami fans are already calling them the Legion of Zoom. I hate it. I hate everything about that, by the way. That's at least be awful. original. Absolutely awful. I agree. Um, but no, yeah, so Tyree Kill, honestly, people are complaining that we spent that many picks on him, but when I'm looking at this year's draft class, what's available, what's gonna be available at twenty nine, what I would want to take at twenty nine. I would have wanted a wide receiver at 29 the way the class is shaping out this year so this fills the need and it's a better player than anything we would have drafted right away this move makes a ton of sense to me the picks are minimal we still have two first round picks next year so we were talking about how Tua is on a no excuses year if he doesn't pan out this year Miami has two first round picks probably to go after CJ Stroud or Bryce Young um, if that's the case so Miami's still set up fairly well I think you're right. Uh, I could just sit here and read off memes, but I am actually trying to find a uh, statistic here having to do with Tyreek Hill, long touchdown passes, and the uh, that's my con- those thrown by Tua Tagovailoa. I was going to say, that's my concern. Uh, Tua does have issues with throwing it deep. He doesn't necessarily have the arm strength. Uh, he's got the accuracy. He puts it on a dime every time. I've seen him fit into into windows that I didn't even know were there. Uh, but the issue is Tyreek will tend to burn you deep on a streak. You got to get the ball to him. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that pans out this year. I'm also interested to see how that pans out in Mike McDaniel's offense because that's he's not really a vertical threat kind of guy. Uh, so I'm interested. But even if I can't get it to Tyreek deep, he's a playmaker. If you can get him into any open space at all, He's going to make big plays with it. So it's a good move. It's it, it's a move that says, Tua, you have our full confidence. If you don't put it together this year, we're moving on. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's, that's really all there is to it. Uh, this is a weak year for quarterbacks in the draft class anyway. Uh, the Dolphins uh, pre- pretty clearly are not interested in making a trade for a big-name quarterback, not willing to pay that price. I think that package that they sent to the Chiefs would have been a good package to send to the Texans for Deshaun Watson, even though they were asking way more. I think that's probably uh, the first, second, and fourth this year, and then fourth and sixth next year. I, th- I think that's probably a more fair package for Deshaun Watson. For whatever reason, Cleveland has given up on Baker Mayfield. I don't mean to say for whatever reason, but <laughs> you know they've given up on Baker Mayfield, and they felt that the three first round draft picks was worth uh, worth giving up to pursue that. So, you know what, whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm interested. Hopefully, uh, Tua with a little more protection, because that's where I really thought you were going to go. That yeah, he might struggle with a long ball, but he also struggles with having enough time to fucking play in his I'm, feet and launch it. I'm I'm getting there. That's going to come in the next one of the next sections yeah i mean you signed taron armstead but you can't oh, draft anybody, oh, sh- right i who do we need to draft we've drafted five offensive linemen in the past two years right so we needed we needed good offensive linemen and we needed 
experienced offensive lineman. Uh, even going into this year's draft, uh, like this year's offseason, I said Miami needs to sign offensive linemen, not draft them. Uh, so now you're looking at a left side of the line of uh, Connor Williams, who formerly of the Dallas Cowboys, and Taron Armstead, which is absolutely fantastic. The only issue is that's not to his blind side. Um, so that's going to be intriguing as well to see how we how we roll with that. Uh, I'm glad that the left side of my, my line is the strongest part of my line. Unfortunately, that is the front side of my line now, not the uh, not the blind side. Very true. Another signing, Allen Robinson has signed with the Los Angeles Rams, who have come out and said they want to re-sign Odell Beckham Jr. as well. I don't know where all these guys are going to fit in this offense. Uh, well, o- OBJ doesn't have to fit until, like, November, December. Yeah, I mean, fair, but it's just we we've we've talked about some stacked receiving rooms. Yeah, this it's, is uh, another one. It's, yeah, it's absolutely another one. Uh, Jameis Winston has re-signed with the New Orleans Saints. I think that's the right move. Uh, no reason to have not had him be the starter last year, in my the, opinion. The only. Re- other move they could do that would probably make you and me in the entire fan base of new Orleans happier would be now to cut Taysom Hill and re-sign him specifically as a tight end. You can't, you can't be using that verse. Like I understand the versatility they want to get with it, but man, he can't learn that many positions. It's going to, be bad for him it's going to be bad for everybody else in that room if you keep him from playing quarterback you can use his versatility in other aspects yes right? yes and the fact that he's played tight end there's always going to be trick play or quarterback rather the fact that he's played quarterback played quarterback in college successfully there's always going to be that trick play element you don't need to have him under center exactly Super Bowl Lenny, Leonard Fournette, he has re-signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Greg the Leg, he is on the move again, this time to the New York Football Jets. He will be kicking at the Meadowlands. This was not the Jets' only kicker signing. Uh, I didn't put it on here because I just now remembered it. I I also saw something that they have signed Eddie Pinheiro as well. Uh, So there's going to be a kicker competition in the Meadowlands. Eddie Money? Eddie Money. Let's see. Eddie Pinheiro, NFL. Yep, New York Jets. What do you know? He was already Damn, on yeah. the team, too. So, do they not have faith in him? What's going on here? I, I don't know. Unfortunate. Uh, moving on to a, a player that is still available. Strangely, I think teams are trying. I think there are a few teams trying to clear up some space to get this guy a good deal. But the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, he is still yet to be signed. I'm curious if we're going to have this effect on him that we talk about him tonight and tomorrow we'll find out he's going somewhere else. Uh, All I know is there were rumors once again that he actually wanted to come to Miami uh, because he wants to play with Tyreek still. Um, not only do we not have the cap space for it, but Chris Greer came out and said that's that's not happening. Uh, he's a great player, but we're just not going in that direction right now. Well, I'm glad you brought up Miami again because that makes my transition a lot easier. There is another team in the AFC in the state of Florida, and you probably wouldn't know it if you listen to this show very often. Not just because Tug's a Dolphins fan, but also because they really fucking suck. 
We're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Center of eight years, Brandon Lindor is retiring. Uh, this past season, he only played nine games due to an ankle and MCL injury. This is a huge loss for them because you're losing a guy that you really can't afford to lose. Leadership, skill-wise, however you want to look at it, you need people to protect Trevor Lawrence, and that has been a priority for them. We've seen it in some of their other si- earlier signings, uh, and yeah. I imagine we'll see that in their draft strategy going forward as well. I I don't know that this one hurts a ton, but it's definitely definitely rough to lose a guy with that experience and that leadership in that locker room when you've got a pretty young team, not yep. just at you know not just at your skill positions, but across the board with the way that they've restructured everything since that run in 2017 that seems like it might as well have been 15 years ago at this point yeah it's losing your center is tough they're the guys who call out the blitz packages they call out the mic um identify hey this is how we're blocking on a given play to reach the scheme goal man that's that's losing a lot of leadership a lot of experience that's that's gonna be painful absolutely absolutely but we got the screen coming up and uh, we got some music for you i think there we go I think you know what that means. What happened? Whatever there? could it mean? Oh, it's it bracket, is time. bracket time. Whoa, so as we've been doing for the past couple weeks, we're going to continue on with our best our MVP NFL bracket. Let's best NFL MVP bracket. Really hard to do with Doug serenading us in the background to keep what my concentration. <laughs> We're so so I want to point out here that we've had issues with the uh, bracket time polls. I tried to line it up there. We've had issues with the bracket time polls on Facebook. I think I figured out how to work around it. However, this was our second round for the right half of our bracket. So I figured left half didn't have it in their second round. We're not going to do it for the right half. Going into the next round, so next week when you see these polls come up, uh, we will have functionality on Facebook, so get up, get ready for that. Uh, it won't just be Instagram and Twitter that you can vote. Facebook will be working again next week. Don't you worry. Get up, get excited for it. And uh, with that, I think we got nothing left to do but to Lunch get to straight into these results. First up, we have Lamar Jackson going up against Johnny Unitas. From 1959, Lamar Jackson, of course, the unanimous MVP in 2019, and uh, he won pretty handily between Facebook or between Instagram and Twitter over Unitas. I gotta say, man, I don't think that this one's recency bias at all. I think this is just straight facts. Lamar Jackson smokes Johnny Unitas in every possible way. The only thing he didn't have was the championship. Didn't win the Super Bowl that year, but. Man, what a season. So one thing I do want to highlight is in four more games, he only had, what, just over 200 more yards passing. That being said, he had 1,200 rushing yards, and that's insane for a quarterback. Um, I also want to highlight that this is the Battle of Baltimore, uh, and Lamar Jackson's taking the Battle of Baltimore for me here. Yeah, I completely agree. We're going to move Lamar Jackson right along. Tug, please tell me you have the uh, the slide sheet, or the uh, Excel sheet open. I need you to do this and make sure. Give me a sec. <laughs> it's all right. I didn't. I should have brought it up earlier. But now everybody else gets to see a little peek behind the curtain and how we're keeping track of all this. If you're interested in seeing our products as well, 
go on over to patreon.com backslash BDT football. You'll get access to all this, be able to see everything that we work with. And uh, it'll be a good time. It'll be fun had by all. And we'll make the show better. And I'll suck less if I get some money out of it. Probably, doubt it. maybe. Yeah, I, I also anyway, doubt it. What's what's our next matchup here, Ben? I stalled long enough. Perfect. Lamar Jackson's moving on. But who will he face next time? That's going to be decided between Y.A. Tittle and Jim Brown of the Cleveland Browns. And if you have half a brain, you know where social media went. They went with the man Jim Brown from 1965. I feel like this is a little unfair to Y.A. Tittle, but Jim Brown's name and reputation precedes him. Six fumbles to 14 interceptions. I I almost want to say as a rule, double the fumbles make, you know, if, if it was 12 interceptions, they'd be even. Y.A. Tittle's a little bit ahead on turnovers there. Uh, and then touchdowns, we're talking about a fullback here, right? 5.3 yards per carry, getting 21 total touchdowns. 1544 rushing yards. I get it. I so so here's the thing. I think the assessment that Jim Brown needs to move on is correct, but YA Tittle does not need to be swept here. And the reason I say that is man, 3100 passing yards in 63 in, in 14 games in 1963. That is that is worth my vote. Uh and, and that's that's where I'm going with it. I agree with you on fumbles and picks, uh, but I also agree with your assessment where I think social media got it right, but we need to give some love to YA Tittle. I mean, you got a guy with a helmet that's like mock or, you know, they, they Mark both 1. Do. Mark they both 1. Do. Uh, no, no, no. I'm saying it's Mark 1 ahead being a leather helmet, and he's throwing yeah. for over 3,000 yards. Yep. That's just incredible. Yeah, Jim Brown's going to move on here, but, man – more people need to know about Y.A. Tittle, and I think that's what hurt him here, and I think it hurt somebody else later on in our uh, bracket as well. We'll get to them, and I'll be sure to point them out for you here when we do get there. But they are not the next men up. That is LaDainian Tomlinson going up against Marshall Falk. Social media, they went with LT. I don't know that I can completely disagree with that either. Man, he still holds the record for most rushing touchdowns in a season. Yeah. I uh, that that says it all. More he ha- he might have less total yards. I don't know how many receiving yards he had, but he wasn't a receiver. He was a one cut. I'm going to juke you out and when I'm out in the open, you're done type of running back and man. That was just insane. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm loving the zero fumbles. Mhm. But I, I think I'm sticking LT here. Uh, and, yeah, I agree with the way we have it. He's not a Los Angeles Charger. He's a uh, San Diego, San Diego Charger. Charger. Just like that guy that you can't ever remember his name as a forever Houston Oiler. Who is it, by the way? Earl Campbell. There you go. You're never going to forget now. I promise you that. I forgot it once. I know. One time too many. That is for sure. That's valid. We will We will never let you forget at this point. I got to say, man, uh, well, Damian Tomlinson might have a clear shot uh, into the next he or might into the finals point. or into the the final four. Is it the final or is it semifinal? The, this next It'll be one, the semifinal. The next I don't know, man. This, right? this next one's going to be tough. Um, 
the next I'm matchup, not, regardless of who he goes up against, is going to be tough for him. So, so give me a second here. I'm not. I'm actually not voting for Ladanian Tomlinson. There is a little bias here. I'm not going to lie to you. Me going with Marshall Falk. Add to it though, zero fumbles. The receiving yards are massive. Uh, he was an integral piece into making the greatest show on turf. The greatest show on turf. Of course, a guy we're going to talk about here in a second was the linchpin to the whole thing. I don't know that Trent Green is able to run that offense the way Kurt Warner was, but I also don't think that offense works without Marshall Falk. So I've got to give it to Marshall Falk here. For him to win in the middle of two Kurt Warner MVP seasons really shows how electric and important to this to his team that he was. LaDainian Tomlinson absolutely had probably arguably a better year and uh, if he faces off against the running back in our next matchup he's got a clear path ahead and I'll explain that here in a minute but LT's moving on not in a clean sweep we'll see if our next matchup will be a clean sweep and it's a quarterback Kurt Warner who I was just talking about and Sean Alexander uh, the guy who set the NFL rushing touchdowns record the year prior to LaDainian Tomlinson beating it and uh, social media went with Kurt Warner. Now, before I go balls deep into the LT versus Sean Alexander debate, I want to see how we vote with this. So I'll let you go first here, Tug. So I have a couple things that are holding me up from, from voting here. Um, man, this is Kurt Warner's best season. However, you've already said some of the things that are going to hold me up here. He had Marshall Falk. He had Orlando Pace. He had, was it Torrey Holt out there? He had Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. And okay. Ricky Prohl, which, you know, take Ricky Prohl however you want. So don't get me wrong. Kurt Warner's stats are amazing. But how are they not that, like, how do you not hit that level with the amount of talent on that offense? Then you look at Sean Alexander here. And I cannot name, outside of Matt Hasselback, another player on that Seahawks offense. Right? So when I'm sitting here and I'm looking at who is the most valuable player to their team, do I think Kurt Warner was the best quarterback in the time for the St. Louis Rams of 1999? Yes. Do I think they would have still been successful without him? Also, yes. Do I think the 2005 Seattle Seahawks would have been successful without Sean Alexander? Absolutely not. So I'll throw this out here, too. Um, just looking at who was on that roster, that receiving core. We talk about Isaac Bruce, talk about Torrey Holt, talk about Ricky Prohl. Azir Hakeem, a guy that I had honestly forgotten about until I looked at it now. But this dude was a hot commodity after playing with the St. Louis Rams. He goes to Detroit and does nothing. Goes to New Orleans, does nothing. Just bounced around kind of everywhere. Even ended up on the Dolphins practice squad to end up his career and did nothing. But, but he looked so good playing with Kurt Warner. And I'm sure some of that was Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt taking guys off of him. I was going to say, Juju Smith-Schuster looked so good when Antonio Brown was on the team. And now he looks like kind of trash, honestly. I'll also raise you that Sean Alexander was the number one running back. He was the bell cow, not just in 2005, but several other years. And I'm not saying, oh, well, you know, he didn't win more than one MVP. I'm not, I'm not holding that against him. Dick Vermeule 
Vermeil went and reorganized the whole structure of the offense and especially the quarterback position with Trent Green in mind. And Trent Green gets taken up by Rodney Harrison in a preseason game, and next man up is Kurt Warner, who hasn't played a snap in the NFL. He goes out and produces this season with the St. Louis Rams and doesn't just do it, but takes him to a Super Bowl championship. Don't get me wrong. The story is amazing. I'm not taking away from Kurt Warner's story, right? I'm not taking away from everything amazing that happened that season. I'm looking at this strictly as a, could they have done it with somebody else? Even marginally as successful, like even getting close. I don't think the Seahawks make the playoffs without Sean Alexander. You put Trent Green in, you're telling me that St. Louis still doesn't make the playoffs? I don't, I don't buy that. They, they have way too much talent, way too many weapons on that team to not be successful, as evidenced by the fact that they won the MVP three years in a row between Kurt, Marshall, Falk, and Kurt. I, it's just where I'm at, right? Like, that's how good that offense was. But it was, it was the sum of all its parts that made everybody else look better. So... I don't want to go with a biased vote here, and I don't want to vote in the sense that I think Kurt Warner versus LaDainian Tomlinson is going to be a better matchup, but here's where I'm at. I There's zero chance that Sean Alexander beats LaDainian Tomlinson in the next round, and here's why. Both men played twenty-eight or 16 games. Tomlinson had 28 rushing touchdowns. Uh, Alexander had 27. He only beat him by one. Irrelevant, right? Sean Alexander won the rushing yards competition, 1880 to 1815. Sean Alexander had uh, 22 more attempts and was 5.1 yards per carry to LaDainian Tomlinson's 5.2. LaDainian Tomlinson also had over 500 receiving yards to Sean Alexander's 78, which is something that gets lost in all of this because, of course, the big story about their seasons – is getting the touchdown record, right? And oh, by the way, Alexander had one receiving touchdown to Thompson's three. So I know that really this should be an argument for next time, but in the interest of making it a more competitive matchup and someone that's going to require more thought than just, yeah, very clearly LT is better than Sean Alexander, I think we have to vote for Kurt Warner, right? I there's there's definitely and it's probably going to be the same argument for LaDainian Tomlinson next time, right? There's no no doubt that all of the same arguments apply. Philip Rivers is I'd take Philip Rivers over Matt Hasselbeck though. I think that's the only real difference between Would between, you take second year Philip Rivers over Matt Hasselbeck? That yeah. would have only been his second or third season, so That's fair. That's fair. But no, I I totally get it. Uh, again, I'm not letting Sean Alexander slip away being swept. I totally understand your vote. Twitter went with uh, Kurt Warner. I I'm a okay moving him on. This wasn't me fighting you for that. It's me. Let's just say laying the foundation for the next time we visit this side of the bracket. Well, actually, it was tied on Twitter between Kurt Warner and Sean Alexander. Instagram is what pushed it in Kurt Warner's favor. So make sure you get out and vote everywhere. And like I said, I'll get Facebook fixed uh, for next week. So, man, it's uh, 
going to be an interesting matchup. I'm a little disappointed we don't get Ram versus Ram, but we get probably the greatest, the best running back of the 2000s against arguably the best quarterback of the early 2000s. See, I have to quantify that. <laughs> it happens, man. It happens. That's because of this man, Tom Brady, winning the MVP in 2007, going up against Jim Brown, who won the MVP. This was the uh, last time? Second time he won the MVP in 1958. Uh, first time. I first thought he time? Had yeah, he was Damn, 59 the other it. time. I missed it. But oh, no. Tom Brady. You might be right. You might be right. Second time? Third time? Uh, second time? Second time? First time. Oh. You were right. I'm sorry. No, you were right. You said first time. Anyway, Tom Brady wins it. Is it really any surprise that Tom Brady won this one? Um, I would argue it's kind of surprising to me just because I know there's a lot of guys that fawn over Jim Brown and everything Jim Brown related. Uh, But Tom Brady, man. I don't care. I hate Tom Brady. We all know this. I hate Tom Brady. But you put up 16 wins in the regular season. You win 18 straight. You lose the one that matters. Um, 4,800 yards, 50 touchdowns, just under 69% completion percentage. Man, I love Jim Brown, but Jim Brown ran into a bad man at this point. Jim Brown ran into peak Tom Brady, and that is just something that's going to be hard to get by. Oh, and you say they lost the one that mattered, but they were contining a winning streak from the year before. I think they won, what, 24 straight games, yeah, including it was the previous insane. Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean those Patriots teams were fucking ridiculous, and it's why everybody hates Tom Brady. But but they still lost the one that matters. I know, and you probably pop champagne with the rest of the Miami. I Dolphins. would if I could. I would have if I was old enough at the time. Either way, Tom Brady's moving on. Shouldn't really be surprised. We're going to go on to uh, the quarterback battle that was a landslide and didn't need to be. Brett Favre won. I think that's pretty obvious just by looking at Brett Favre versus John Brody. But here's the problem. John Brody is a victim of winning the MVP too early for a team that had most of his success after he was on the team, right? You can see here they didn't win the Super Bowl in 1970, didn't even make it to the Super Bowl in 1970, and then had Joe Montana after him, and then Steve Young after him, and the 49ers built this legend and this lore around them. I honestly don't, still don't really know who John Brody is, even with the little bit of research I've done here. Comparing 1970 to 1995, we've seen guys playing earlier. I mean, Y.A. Tittle had better stats than this, right? So it's a rough look. I I wish I could vote for John Brody. I do. I was going to say, and it's, it's not John Brody. It's not even that I don't like the Packers on this one. It's that I wish people would recognize a little bit more about some of these guys that you might not know, right? That's fair. But there's there's no way you can do it, you know. And John Brody gets lost in the mix because he is a 49er not named Joe Mon- 49er quarterback not named Joe Montana, Steve Young, or you know, uh, Colin Kaepernick. But that being said, I've I've even got to go with Brett Favre here. Yeah, it's normally when I'm looking at Brett Favre's, my main concern is the interceptions. Um, that being said. He did pretty good this year with them, so I'll take twelve additional touchdowns for three additional picks. That that's a trade I'll make any day of the week. One hundred percent. Moving on, 
we have another Packers quarterback that against Thurman Thomas, we had a tie. Aaron Rodgers from 2020 tied with Thurman Thomas from 1991. And uh, we even went to Doug to get his comments on this because we were we were going to be split. <laughs> yes, yes, we were. So let's save Doug's vote for last. You and I will talk through ours and then we'll split the tie. Deal. All right, man. I don't know how I can't go with Aaron Rodgers here. He actually earned the MVP this 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 season. Uh, 4,300 yards passing. But the stat I'm really looking at is his 70.7% completion percentage. Ran into Tom Brady in his first year with the Bucks in the uh, NFC Championship game. Got brutalized by some poor calls at the end of the game. I thought there were some definitely questionable ones there. Um, I still don't think they deserve to win that game, but it would have made it more of a game. Either way, there's very little that you can convince me with Thurman Thomas to tell me he was more valuable to that team than Aaron Rodgers is to the Green Bay Packers right now uh, in 2020. Both teams had the same record. Thurman Thomas, multifaceted. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers had a decent amount of rushing yards. It is a part of his game uh, that he is – uh, certainly used to great effect uh, at various times throughout the season. Two thousand total yard, over two thousand total yards uh, for Thurman Thomas in nineteen ninety one, and uh, oh yeah, the Bills went to the Super Bowl, and they just have that Bills curse on them, right? Twelve touchdowns, five fumbles. Those numbers aren't great, so it's it is a little concerning that he didn't, you know, have a little bit better numbers. Um, but there's 0.000 chance in hell. I'm voting for the other guy. I'm going with Thurman Thomas. He won't even say his name right now. I love it. All right. And Doug's proxy vote came in. Uh, he is also going with Aaron Rodgers, so he will be moving on uh, much to Ben's dismay. Uh, but, again, this is peak Aaron Rodgers. We're, we're seeing this with a bunch of the, again, big-name quarterbacks that we grew up with. When you get peak Peyton Manning, you get peak Tom Brady, you get peak Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be hard to bring them down. Um, unless we'll uh, unless any of our viewers, if you if you want to go with Thurman Thomas, drop it in the comments now, and we will we will save save us from having to move on Aaron Rodgers. Or if you're a Packers fan, please tell me to fuck off. I will actually get a great deal of pleasure out of that. Uh, I'm gonna read off Doug's note to give you guys a little bit of chance to uh, to get your comments in there. Four times the touchdowns, that's more than can be explained in a typical MVP quarterback versus running back differential. And the 70-plus percent completions needs to be rewarded. We did that last round. So, I get it, you know. Aaron Rodgers, awesome, cool. He had a very good season, and yes, he. I will agree with you, he did actually deserve it this season over, uh, over what he did in 2021. It should have gone to... Uh, should have gone to a wide receiver. Should have gone to Cooper Cup, right? The NFL yeah. just refuses to do that. You know, no or comments the, seen. If if you wanted to give it to a quarterback, you should have given it to the quarterback that led in every statistical category. Yeah, well, he shouldn't have fucking sat there and said he was retiring, right? So we got stuck with Aaron Rodgers winning back to back, and he's going to move on as well. Uh, the only comment was from uh, Jay Tugas Jr., and I'm not going to count that one either. So. We'll move on Aaron Rodgers until <laughs> next time. And uh, I believe we have one more matchup left. He is going to have to face off against either Fran Tarkenton from 1975 
or Barry Sanders from 1977. And let's face it, Barry Sanders from 1997, he's going to move on in our Twitter polls, but I don't know, or social media polls, I should say, I don't know that I can continue to agree uh, with this monstrosity that has gone on for far too long. I, I love Barry Sanders. He is getting a little bit of the Jim Brown treatment. I thought Jim Brown was going to get in all of his instances in our bracket. Uh, I personally am, I'm going to kick it off. I'm going with Fran Tarkenton. Uh, this is a guy that does not get enough credit, never has for whatever reason. We've said it before, and I will say it again until I'm blue in the face. You don't get a guy like Michael Vick, like Lamar Jackson, playing quarterback and doing what they what all these guys, including Tarkenton, do with their legs without Fran Tarkenton doing it first. To great success, I might add. And yeah, sure, maybe this isn't his best season. Uh, but Fran Tarkenton, man, that's that's where my vote's going. All right, I'm going to take a little page out of your playbook here, and I'm going to use it to my advantage. I'm looking at this to see who has a chance next next time we come through this bracket. If you put Aaron Rodgers up against Fran Tarkenton, it is over in a heartbeat. Now you put Aaron Rodgers up against a 2,000-yard Barry Sanders on a team that you know for a fact was nothing without him. They probably lose all of those nine wins without Barry Sanders. And that's my point, right? Also, you're talking 70% completion, which we keep rewarding for Aaron Rodgers. 6.1 yards per carry is equivalent to 70% completion for a running back to a quarterback. Let's move on Barry Sanders and make this a real interesting NFC North matchup the next time we come through this bracket. I'm disappointed in you not continuing to be the cornerstone of – uh, consistency, but I also don't give a shit about consistency. So I appreciate you using my own tactics there. I have no problem with Barry Sanders moving on. I also just didn't want Barry Sanders to get swept. Full disclosure on that one. Barry's, but that is uh, going. You, you mean Fran getting swept? Barry was leaving. Fran getting it. swept. Yeah, yeah. Or Barry getting the sweep. You know, words, words. Uh, that's going to do it for our matchups this week. I've got to figure out what the best time to put these brackets out on social media are. Obviously, with Instagram and Facebook, we have to do it the day prior. I only gave you guys a couple hours. I had uh, some pretty pretty big stuff going on this morning and kind of forgot about it last night. So I apologize for that. Um, but as far as Twitter goes, maybe maybe we can figure out a better day to put them out than when I did. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out as we're doing these Monday shows going forward. Can we, However, talk to the meta, can we talk to the metaverse and tell them to allow us to, you know, have more than just 24 hours of polls? It'd, it'd be certainly would be nice. It'd be nice if we could just put polls up on our own Facebook page instead of having to do right? the story. I don't know why our page doesn't have that capability. I'm, I, there's other pages that do. If we just we don't, I don't get it. Anyway, coming up next week, our next set of polls we're going to be putting out. We're going back. This is a quarterfinal matchup, everybody. Tom Brady versus Kurt Warner. Or is this a semifinal matchup? I can't ever. I think it's quarterfinal. Yeah, just, just keep four. going. It doesn't. It's the Tom not Brady, elite eight. Tom Brady from 2010 against Kurt Warner from 2001. That's going to be a fun matchup. I'm very excited for this one. Oh, God, legitimately, identical. Yeah, legitimately could go either way, right? Kurt Warner's got him beat in a couple categories, but touchdowns and interceptions, you got to tie. I'm hoping the Tom Brady hate wins over all of our voters out there. 
Our next matchup, the last defensive player in our bracket, Lawrence Taylor going up against Sweetness, Walter Payton from 1977. This is going to be a very another very interesting matchup to see how this all plays out. We've talked about the legend of the original LT several times on this show, and I could gush about Walter Payton for hours, and I think I have to come ready to defend that, depending on how these social media polls go. You guys have a big role in our Bracket Time segment. Don't ever forget that. Uh, if you want Lawrence Taylor to move on, there's a good chance just by voting for him on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or all three, that he will. So keep that in mind. Moving on, we have Peyton Manning from 2013 in the Denver Broncos orange, which is still very weird to look at, going up against Patrick Mahomes from 2018. Such a young guy to win MVP. Like This, is, this was his second season. And, you know, it, for all intents and purposes, this was his rookie season, right? Absolutely insane. After that, we talked about, uh, you know, how John Brody's kind of overshadowed by two other guys to wear the 49ers uniform. Well, here's one of them, Steve Young. Let's see if he can get revenge for his uh, teammate, I guess. Sure, teammate. Uh, against the same man that took uh, John Brody out, Brett Favre. And from a year later, Brett Favre from 1996, he won it back-to-back as well something about green bay quarterbacks winning back-to-back mvps it's just disgusting <laughs> i knew that was the word that was coming out but that's it those are all the uh all the brackets we got it's gonna be fun i'm looking forward to uh to moving on with all of this man it's been a. Uh, it's been fun going through this bracket and yeah. i know we're heading towards our uh the NFL draft. We're going to get into more draft coverage as well. I know Doug's been pumping out mock drafts on BDTfootball.com, so be sure to go check it out there. Uh, he's been working on some rankings as well. I'm not sure if he's published them yet or not, or if he has where they're at. I would assume you could probably find some kind of document on BDTfootball.com. But I almost guarantee if you go to Patreon.com backslash BDTfootball, you will uh you will be able to find a way to access them through one of our tiers on patreon.com as well. We've talked about our social media several times already, twitter.com backslash BDT football or at BDT football, Facebook.com backslash BDT football, and then Instagram.com BDT foot underscore. Can't forget the underscore BDT underscore football. And of course, you can always email us at mailbox at btfootball.com. Please just watch the podcast, and you will see these all scroll across the bottom. That is a mouthful <laughs> uh, to pop out here. We also second. link them in the description on the podcast version. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's still a lot to say for all you guys that are just too lazy to read. I yeah. get it. I don't like reading either. I'm not, I'm not throwing shade here. <sighs> Man, what a great podcast. Man. Uh, bring the joke. I am ready to hate myself just a little bit more today. Oh, you're ready for it? Send it. I'm not, well, but now, send it. Now I just want to make you wait a little bit longer. You ready? I guess. Why do some couples go to the gym together? Why? Because they want their relationship to work out. Oh, God damn it. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Clearly, that is all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for listening. 
And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win a game.